Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Tuesday, February the 12th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we got a busy one for you guys. Some big draft news came down on Monday. QB1 has officially committed himself full-time to football. We'll talk about Kyler Murray's decision, his interview on NFL Network, and if the Dolphins have a realistic chance to draft the Heisman Trophy winner. Plus, the state of the roster series continues with the tight ends, the Dolphins on Thanksgiving Day, and an introduction into the scheme of Chad O'Shea coming down from New England. All of that, but first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. We trailed only Locked On Chiefs and Locked On Packers on the network here, so competing with the big boys on the podcast, despite the team not being at those teams' level. Also, follow me on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com for the entire state of the roster series. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, and the Draft Dudes podcast for all your NFL draft needs. And if you have a smart speaker, you can play the podcast by just saying, play Locked On Dolphins and fire that bad boy right up. And with the housekeeping out of the way, let's go ahead and jump into this busy Tuesday show. That's another Miami Dolphins. Couple of news notes for you guys before we break down what these news notes mean. The first one is obviously the big news of the day. Kyler Murray commits himself full-time to the NFL. He says he wants to be a quarterback and nothing else going forward. So that's the big news of the day. We're going to talk about that in the second segment. Another piece of news that does not involve the Dolphins, Kareem Hunt got a contract from the Cleveland Browns. It was John Dorsey in Kansas City that drafted him originally. Now he reunites with Dorsey in Cleveland. The report is that he could be facing a 10 to 12 game suspension, but this is just kind of a touchy subject and something I thought I would bring up on the podcast because the truth is this stuff is relevant to the NFL's landscape. And I just think that the Dolphins won't ever put themselves in a position where they have a player like this on their roster. So good for them for doing that. And the last news is that reports say the Dolphins will play in Dallas on Thanksgiving Day. That kickoff is typically, I believe, at 4.35 Eastern time. So the Dolphins getting a primetime game out of the way on Thanksgiving, which I would assume would be their only primetime game of the season. We're going to go over the Turkey Day games, the Kareem Hunt news. But first, before we get into that, I want to get into the tight end position and the state of the roster series continues on here. We've gone over the receivers, the quarterbacks, the running backs. The offensive line will be tomorrow. But this tight end group for the Miami Dolphins really had a disappointing year in 2018. A lot of new faces, a couple of rookies that got a lot of playing time, and some injuries that pushed some new guys onto the roster. Of course, talking about Nick O'Leary. Let's go ahead and run down this thing real quick. Currently, the Dolphins have $2.4 million in cash committed to the tight end position for 2019. The NFL average is $7 million, so they are well under budget on that standpoint. Nick O'Leary makes $1.1 bucks this year. You'll recall he got an extension in season last year as he basically stepped in and filled in for Marquise Gray after Gray tore his Achilles in training camp or the week before the season started. And O'Leary is kind of that H-back dual threat type of tight end player that really isn't a big athletic passing threat down the field, even though he won the award for tight ends in college football. 
The name of that award escapes me, but O'Leary did a lot of good stuff working as a run blocker out of the backfield, coming across on split zone, and I think he scored one touchdown on the year and had a handful of other catches. Now behind him, Mike Kosicki, the guy that was kind of forced into a role that wasn't really a good fit for him. He is due $780,000 in 2019. Imagine he'll be on the roster despite a very tough rookie season where he was asked to play in pass protection more than almost any tight end across the NFL landscape, which is just a coaching blunder on that part. But he's going to have to find a way to get a piece in this offense. And the good news is the Patriots wanted to draft Mike Kosicki in the second round last year before the Dolphins and stole him off the board, so maybe there's a plan in place for Mike Kosicki that we're not quite aware of yet. Another sophomore on the roster for very cheap, $470,000 due to Durham Smythe this year. He, I thought, had a better season than Gasicki, despite less playing time throughout the course of the year. He was a better run blocker, better in pass protection, though he has a way to go as a pass receiver because at Notre Dame, he was strictly a blocker in the run game. But he is a bit of an athlete, so he could probably expand his role from that standpoint. I think he could get some work in 12 personnel packages in 2019. Some pending free agents. We talked about Marquise Gray. His contract is up. He made a million bucks last year, but he didn't play a single game, missing the entire season with that injury. The truth is, is Nick O'Leary kind of took his job by getting signed and then getting that extension because of the way he played in a similar role. You'll recall back to 2016 that Gray had a big impact on Jay Ajayi's first two 200-yard rushing games that season. He was excellent in the same role that O'Leary filled this year. So I think that the injury, the age, the fact that he really hasn't played a whole lot the last couple of years because, again, Adam Gase is a mystery when it comes to personnel decisions. I think Gray is a long shot to be back on the Dolphins roster. And then A.J. Derby, he made 600 k last year. Another guy that came over with Adam Gaze because of the, fami- the familiarity with Gaze in Denver. But Derby was also drafted by this Patriots team. So these guys on this staff know who he is. So if he has a chance to be brought back, it'll be because of that familiarity and what they think they might be able to do with him going forward. He was, however, cut from the Patriots. So maybe the writing is on the wall in that way too. So those guys are the projected free agents. I have neither of them coming back, Derby or Gray that is. There are some... Free agents on the open market that could possibly be of interest for the Miami Dolphins. Luke Wilson, I think, is one of those options. More of a 12 personnel run blocking in line type of tight end the Dolphins could use to try to implement more of that New England run heavy scheme on the offense. He was a one-year rental for the Lions last year, cost them $2.5 million, and he has a connection with George Godsey, the Dolphins' new offensive line coach who was on Detroit staff last year with Luke Wilson. But Tyler Croft of the Bengals, a 26-year-old ascending product from the Bengals, is my top choice for this spot. He missed most of the season last year with the injury to the foot. He played 825 snaps in 2017 and caught 42 passes. He was billed as a run-blocking extraordinaire coming out of college, but he really developed as a pass catcher in his pro career. I think he'd be the top option on that market for Miami. Some other guys, Max Williams from Baltimore, Clive Wolford from the Jets, who I believe the Dolphins put in a claim for when he was cut from the Raiders. And then Jesse Davis, the Pitts, Jesse James rather, the Pittsburgh tight end, who I think will be brought back to the Steelers there. So probably not much of an option for the Dolphins, but we press on through the draft class as this group also has some guys that could have a benefit to the Dolphins in 2019 and beyond. I think if they wanted to go tight end early, which I do not think they will, obviously TJ Hawkinson from Iowa will be the top choice, but he's probably going to go in the first round, something Miami will not be, be going anywhere near. Irv Smith Jr. from Alabama has been described as a perfect tight end for the Patriots. He's a monster in the blocking game. He is a capable route runner as well, and I think 
think that he could be a high draft pick if the Dolphins want to go that way. In round two, I don't think they will. However, more likely later round options, Georgia's Isaac Nata, I think I might have pronounced that wrong. He's got some polish in the run game through blocking in the SEC down there and has shown a great penchant for understanding of leverage and body position to seal off runs in the running game. He also has some H-back and fullback potential, something Miami could be looking at going forward. Some other options in the draft, UCLA's Caleb Wilson, LSU's Foster Moreau, and Rutgers' Jerome Washington. I think this set, this group of tight ends is probably pretty much set except for the spot at the top. I think that's where a guy like Tyler Croft could come in and fill that number one tight end role. So my projection for the tight ends in 2019 would be number one, a free agent signing, hopefully Tyler Croft, number two, Durham Smythe, number three, Mike Gesicki, and number four, Nick O'Leary, who I think might be long for the roster if the Dolphins replace him via free agency. So that is the tight end preview going into the offseason. Tomorrow, we're going to look at the offensive line in depth. And next here on the podcast, we're going to get into the Dolphins offensive scheme tutorial, talk about Kyler Murray and the Dolphins back on Thanksgiving Day football. We'll do all that next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Big news of the day on this Tuesday, going back to Monday, obviously, is that Kyler Murray officially announces his intentions to play football full-time, leaving the A's out to dry, which the Seattle Mariners fan of me is greatly appreciative of. But also the Dolphins fan in me is super, super hopeful that Miami can change their fortunes and draft this electric quarterback, bring some excitement and buzz back to the Dolphins, make them a relevant team, but above all, win some damn football games and get back into a championship pedigree, which is exactly what I think Kyler Murray does for this team almost immediately. But before we get into that, let's go ahead and talk about some of the principles of this new offensive scheme that will come down from New England, along with Chad O'Shea and Cherry Shaplinski, the Dolphins' new offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach previously, wide receivers coaches, and assistant quarterbacks coach on the staff of the Patriots under Brian Flores here in Miami. And the ENP system, the Erhart Perkins scheme, is really well known and well regarded across the NFL landscape. A lot of teams use this scheme. A lot of teams use the basic concept in this scheme to make their offenses flourish. And it's something that Adam Gase tried to run down here in Miami. But there is a lot of complexity in the way Adam Gaze did it with a lot of three-man route combinations. As you guys know, Gaze loved the three-by-one sets where he'd have three receivers to one side and one receiver back to the boundary and using it that way. And it was something that Ryan Tannehill just was not equipped to do because this scheme puts the onus on the quarterback to make correct pre-snap reads, which we all know was Ryan Tannehill's biggest downfall throughout the course of his Dolphins career. So, that was a big reason it didn't succeed with Adam Gaze, among many other reasons. The reason it has been successful in New England, obviously, is the fact that Tom Brady is there, which brings us into the number one aspect, the number one quality that makes the Erhart Perkins offense so popular in the NFL, and that is that it builds the scheme around the quarterback. And rather than distributing responsibility to the skill players at wide out or the running backs or tight ends with a wide array of sight adjustments, everything comes back to the most important player on the field, the quarterback. And the route combinations are designed to attack a specific coverage. So the quarterback's job is to identify the pre-snap coverage and adjust accordingly with motion or with a shift or a, play, a pre-snap audible or check. Anything that happens pre-snap all goes back to the quarterback. He's the one driving that train. Number two, it has streamlined verbiage, which means no more of those 20-word play calls where it's like scat, X, jet, right, 
365 Y flat X post. You're not going to get any of that. It can be as simple as two words to get out the route combinations. And then you have your protection call on the inside as well. But it's these quicker play calls that get rid of the convoluted mouthful that gives out every single player's responsibility and really is derivative because you give out more information than you have to. And this just serves to speed the offense up opposed to slowing it down. And it allows them to be adaptable as far as being multiple from different package groupings and to uh, the ability to run the up-tempo offense that Adam Gaze wanted to do here in Miami for so long. And the number three, I kind of mentioned it, the simplistic adaptability, these one or two word codes. So basically what you have is the boundary side of the formation, which is the short side of the field, and the field side of the formation, which is the wider side of the field, you have a word for each side of the field that co- that conveys a route combination. So you can say Rita to the left, and that would be like a slant flat combination. And then you can say Linda to the right, and that would be whatever the three-man route combination that Linda stands for. And because it's so simple by using just one word, and every player knows what their route is from that specific position in the offense, it allows you to change your code word so you can turn Linda into Luigi the following week and it would be the exact same route combination. You just mix it up so teams cannot sit on things and pluck the way you do things based on your calls offensively. So when people sit here and say the Dolphins might not put an importance on the quarterback, I think getting a quarterback into the scheme as early as you possibly can while you're doing this rebuild would be of great value to the team going forward because this quarterback needs to know these particular things and study this offense for as long as he can before you can become a year in and year out contender as this scheme really, really puts a lot of emphasis on the quarterback. Whereas when it was originated back in the 80s, it was designed to do the opposite and make things easier on the quarterback and rely heavily on the ground game. Now, the reason the Patriots have had so much offensive success, both on the ground and through the air, is because this scheme allows for you to have three or four plays in a list and there can be two running plays and two passing plays and you can check to any of those, which allows the quarterback to just get to the line of scrimmage, find out what he can do to attack this particular defense and just go to one of those plays and everybody knows the design and the the responsibilities for each and every of those four plays on the list. So it sounds complicated, but once you get it running like a well-oiled machine, it can be a lot easier. And then from there, it just comes down to the Jimmys and Joes, not so much the X's and O's. And that really is just a basic tutorial on the Earhart Perkins scheme that the Dolphins will run in 2019 and beyond under Chad O'Shea. I'm going to have a very detailed piece up on LockedOnDolphins.com going over that tutorial, giving you guys some screenshots, some video cutups, and how Miami could implement that scheme onto their current roster, as well as the players they could look at to add to the roster to make that scheme work. And with all that, we have to talk about the big news of the day, burying the lead, Kyler Murray coming out and saying that he is fully committed to playing football full-time. And of course, Twitter was sent into a buzz all day Monday because of this news. It got onto every radio talk show, every television program. Kyler Murray stole the show on Monday. And with that, here's the tweet that he sent out or the message he sent via a tweet on his Twitter at the Kyler Murray. Moving forward, I am firmly and fully committing my life and time to becoming an NFL quarterback. Football has been my love and passion my entire life. I was raised to play quarterback and I very much look forward to dedicating 100% of myself to being the best quarterback possible and winning NFL championships. I have started an extensive training program to further prepare myself for upcoming NFL workouts and interviews. I eagerly await the opportunity to continue to prove to NFL decision makers that I am the franchise quarterback in this draft. I am the franchise quarterback 
in this draft. So Kyler Murray obviously getting a written statement there from a PR person, much better than what he did on that Dan Patrick interview, which everyone probably has forgotten about by now, which again goes back to the craziness of putting so much value in that interview just a week ago. So he puts out all the fires there, all the concerns about his personality. He's playing football full-time. And with that, we've gotten plenty of news and outlets from different teams saying certain things about how they feel about Kyler Murray. There was a report just about 10 minutes ago up on Twitter talking about how the Giants think that Kyler Murray is too small, which doesn't surprise me at all. Dave Gettleman, if that is true, is so antiquated in his beliefs and his approach to the football game and roster building that it wouldn't surprise me that he thinks that Daniel Jones or someone like that would be a better quarterback prospect. Will Kane on ESPN thinks that the Kyler Murray is going to go first overall to the Arizona Cardinals, who would then turn around and trade Josh Rosen to who I do not know. I just know I do not want him on Miami. I think he's bad at football. So I'll go ahead and pass on that. But the idea that Kyler Murray could go first overall is very, very interesting. And I think very much so a possibility. I just hope the Dolphins trade up there and get him because to me, this guy is the most electrifying player in this draft. He is by far the best quarterback in this draft. And you can have your love for Tua Tungavailoa, but I still think Kyler is better than Tua. In fact, the only quarterback that I have above Kyler Murray on my power rankings of quarterbacks available in the next three years would be Trevor Lawrence of Clemson. I go Trevor Lawrence, Kyler Murray, Tua Tungavailoa, and then Jake Fromm from Georgia, and then Justin Fields now of Ohio State would be my quarterback power rankings there. And if you guys go to my Twitter timeline at Wingful NFL, my pinned tweet is a write-up I did on Kyler, Mil- Kyler Murray's film study. You guys can check that out. Broke down a lot of his All-22 tape, some of the stats and what it means, and just some of the traits that make him so special, like the inherent feel for the rush, the way he eliminates that free rusher. I talked about how the Dolphins took on free rushers all the time and their quarterbacks got sacked, and the way he was the complete opposite in college. I know college is a different animal, but the way he gets out of pressure and makes plays once he does that... He He can make a play caller look great even though he calls the wrong play. And he also can function within the scheme. Now, there are some warts there with mechanics as far as taking too many chances and maybe some balls sailing on him at times. He will adjust his arm angle, which causes that ball to take different routes to the receiver. But you live with some of those missed layups at times because of the just raw explosive ability he has, both in his arm and in his legs. The ability to beat teams deep, over the top, on the move, getting away from pressure. We saw that in the Alabama game. We've seen him take design runs, 70 yards for a touchdown. I just think this guy is a can't-miss prospect, and you have concerns about the size. You have to find ways to create passing lanes on certain concepts because there's a video I posted up on my timeline looking at a play the Patriots ran against the Dolphins back in Week 14 where you have a ghost concept to the field side, which is a go route and an out route basically designed to clear out the middle of the field. And then to the backside of the formation, you have double slants from the slot and from the boundary, and the the backside slant on the boundary is the one that's supposed to be cleared out. You have to find ways to create those passing lanes for Kyler Murray as he's a tad bit short, but that's what coaches are for. That's the implementation of the college game coming to the NFL, and I think it's only going to continue on that route. So let's go ahead and get with the times and think about ways to create passing lanes for Kyler Murray because you can do it, and if you can do it, you get the explosivity too, which really would change the way this entire franchise operates. And I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up some of the concerns people have about his stature or his playing style. Look, I know he's only going to be about 5'10", probably 195 pounds. I do think he is pretty jacked up in terms of stature and build. You saw that video of him throwing with his shirt off to Antonio Brown. That guy has some serious delts and traps. He looks very well built for a quarterback. I know he's small, but the way he can evade 
the big time hit, the elusiveness, the small target. He is a tough guy to hit. And we saw Quinnen Williams get him down in that Alabama game and he got the helmet off. But what did Murray do after that big shot? He goes down the field for three more touchdown drives. So unfazed by that, he has that Russell Wilson trait where he protects himself very, very well. And with the direction of the current game going towards hitting the quarterbacks less and less, I just don't think it's a concern. It might be, but I don't think it is. And then the last one is the attitude or the mentality or the lack of commitment to the game. That was overblown all to begin with. The guy had a huge decision to make for the rest of his life. And I think that all of us 30, 40, 50 year olds, whoever's talking about this stuff on Twitter that is giving him grief for not having made up his mind yet on baseball or football and deciding the future of his entire life, you only get one crack at this thing. I just think that was ridiculous of some people to suggest that he was misguided in that way. Give the kid some time to make a decision. He made the decision and now he's a full go towards football. So I'm very excited to see what happens with that. He was on the NFL Network today. I want to play some sound for you guys on that interview, as well as an interview that Dan Marino did on the Doug Gottlieb show earlier in the week. We'll get to that stuff, project where Kyler Murray might go in the draft, and finish things up with the Dolphins on Thanksgiving Day. All of that coming up next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, at Wingfield NFL, at Locked On Fins. Run around, Sue, I think an appropriate song on a day where the most elusive quarterback I have ever seen declares himself for the NFL draft and commits full-time to it. I want to talk a little bit more about Kyler Murray here, as I'm sure this whole thing was orchestrated ahead of time because he was on the NFL Network with Deion Sanders doing an interview on Monday. So this decision obviously happened prior to Monday and prior to all of his deadlines. And in that interview, there wasn't really a whole lot to go on or a whole lot to chew on in terms of really valuable information. But there were two points that I wanted to bring up and talk about that I think really I think are just interesting points about Kyler Murray and his evaluation. First, they did have Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks, the host of the Move the Sticks podcast, which you should definitely be tuning into their podcast during this time of year. They are one of the best draft podcasts out there. But they talked about how there really isn't a comparison for Kyler Murray because they've never scouted a player like Kyler Murray, and he's very unique in that way. And it's going to be fun to see where he falls in terms of the draft board. We'll talk about that here more in a second. But Deion Sanders sat down with Kyler Murray and he there was two points I thought were worth noting. The first one was that he suggested that he thinks Kyler Murray's plan when he asked the A's to play football for the one year at OU was to allow him to keep his options open. And Kyler flat out said, yeah, you're right about that. I, I did. I just wanted to put myself, he says, in the best possible position for my career. And this to me, this is me speaking again, this to me says the football was always and always will be his first true love. And he even said as much in his official announcement on Twitter as he declared on Monday. So that part is put to bed to me. I'm not going to worry about that anymore. He's a football player. Kyler Murray is a football player. And then number two, another interesting tidbit from that interview, they talked about his size, which is going to be a talking point on every single interview he has to do. And I'm already sick of hearing about it, but we are going to continue to hear about it. And Dion brought it up, but he makes a great point in saying that you didn't just now become small. You've always been small. 
And I love that because it means that Kyler has had to learn how to overcome that limitation in his football career his entire life. And I think he's pretty much done that. After all, Cliff Kingsbury says, Kyler's never had a bad outing, which is something that just does not happen with quarterbacks. I mean, does that happen with any athlete? Michael Jordan, maybe? Greg Maddox in his prime? I don't don't know. I just know that it's super, super rare. Okay, I promised we were going to talk about some Thanksgiving Day game stuff, and we'll do that on tomorrow's podcast as I'm going to bump that segment because I want to continue on this Kyler Murray train and play some sound for you guys here from an interview that Dan Marino did on the Doug Gottlieb show and talked about his admiration for Kyler and just kind of break this video down as it goes along. So I'm going to go ahead and play that audio for you guys, and I'll come back on and talk about it here in just a second. We, we got Kyler Murray coming on a little bit later. Awesome. Yeah. He's got a he's great a, he's arm. He's a great kid. He is. Yeah. But he's also, I mean, he's tiny. Smaller. Okay. Now, you were not only big, but you had this ridiculous, ridiculously quick, accurate. Okay, let's pause it right there because Gottlieb already is on my radar for being an annoying little pissant on this interview in particular, saying, putting his hand out, showing how high Kyler Murray stands and that I've met him, so I know how tall he is. But go back to the original when Dan Marino says, what a great kid he is. There is this genuine look on his face to say that I I just am all in on Kyler Murray. And I think that really, that bodes well for those that want the Dolphins to go after Kyler Murray because I think Dan Marino is going to have a big say in who they choose as the next franchise quarterback in Miami And if he loves Kyler and gives that note to Chris Greer and Steven Ross, that could signal a trade-up to go get their guy, which to me should be the first and foremost move they make this offseason. So Gottlieb's going to continue to try to disparage Murray in this interview, talking about his height. And you can hear him say he's tiny. And Marino comes back by saying smaller. Yeah, he's smaller, as if to emphasize that he is a little bit smaller than your traditional quarterback. But you can also kind of sense that he thinks that's not that important. Let's go ahead and roll this interview on here with Gottlieb and Marino talking about Kyler Murray. He's with a great arm. He's got, what, by all accounts, everything in terms of arm talent. Great legs, but he's tiny. Yeah, like yeah. he's legit five nine and a half, five ten. Not interested. Yeah, I, I, Can you, I, 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 I met him, so I would say that that's about his size. Right. Okay. Do you think in this NFL you can play at that height at quarterback? So from, you know, from what you just see, what he did at Oklahoma, you know, that one year. It's only been one year, but he was extremely productive and uh, and explosive, very explosive. So I, I do think he can play at a high level in the NFL. I think the game's changed a little bit, whereas you know the more run pass option stuff and. You know, they throw a lot of bubble screens, and you get the, the, the read option stuff that a lot of teams are doing. Um, not very. It's 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 more prevalent now. This style is more prevalent than it's ever been. So I think yes, I think. There's and you guys, and what's funny is you guys are kind of the innovators of it. Like you guys were the sure. first, the first to really spread it out and just go. Yeah, yeah. So that's really where the interview ends, as far as Kyler Murray goes. Then they get into talking about the Dolphins in the '80s and '90s running that spread out attack against the Buffalo Bills, and the Bills countering with the same spread attack. But that's neither here nor there. But Marino talking about the explosiveness, the change in the NFL game. I'm so happy that we have a guy in the room that isn't beholden to these antiquated beliefs like the Giants for instance who think you have to be six foot four you have to have three years of starting experience you have to complete 65 percent of your passes or whatever those stupid Parcells commandments are that would get a guy fired these days the commandments that lead to drafting a Paxton Lynch over a guy like a Kyler Murray those stupid antiquated ideas I think are not going to be existent in the Dolphins draft room and in their conversations for the quarterback position so with that Dan Marino a heavy influence loves Kyler Murray. I think that could go a far of could, could go a long long way in the Dolphins finding a way to draft Kyler Murray. And what will it take? 
I think they're going to have to trade up if they want to make that happen. I think Kyler Murray is going to go in the top five. I think they're going to have to target the top three or four to go up and get him. Will they do it? I don't think they will. I I really hope they do. Probably a first this year, a first next year, a second rounder, maybe an additional late round pick on top of that. It's going to be expensive. But like I said, I think this guy will transcend the league. I think he'll transcend the Dolphins and put them into a new light, a new position they haven't been since Dan Marino was there as the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. Okay, we went a little bit long today, but I have to remind you guys, as always, if you have a smart speaker, you can play this podcast immediately by just saying play Locked On Dolphins podcast for your daily dose. Also, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, and check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on our daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com for the entire state of the roster series. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.